Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Man Coverage Podcast on Pride of Detroit. I am your host, Mike Payton. Today, we've got a very big guest. We've got one that, I'll tell you, I had this guy's poster on my wall when I was a kid. This is a big deal. This is a big, big, big guest. Today, we're bringing in, I'll just go down the slate, four-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, led the league in receptions twice, in the Lions' ring of honor, one of the best receivers that's ever been in Detroit, Mr. Herman Moore. Herman, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, this is uh, this is we've we've been talking about this all week. Having Herman Moore on, it's it's a big deal. So, um, but but uh, we would definitely want to just kind of jump right into it. Um, you know, I'm going to start with with you where I started with Lomas Brown. I'm always fascinated uh, when when pro athletes realized they could be a pro athlete. Like when, when was it when you were like, you know, man, I'm, I'm really good at this. Uh, I could actually do this for a career. When was that? Uh, I think when the Detroit Lions drafted me. (laughs) 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 Once once they actually drafted me, I, um, uh, in all all seriousness, uh, back in my days at UVA, University of Virginia, it was not quite understood where I was going to be as it relates to uh, being picked in the draft, but I ultimately being a first round draft pick made it a lot easier to realize that that dream is going to come true. And then it, I struggled a little bit my first year in 91, but after that things kind of leveled out and fortunate enough, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. Did you, did you know going into that night that the lions were going to draft you? I, I knew I or did. You have an idea. I, I did. So it's always a, a funny story I like to tell people. I actually was on the phone with um, the Denver Broncos, believe it or not, at the fourth pick with Dan Reeves at the time. They had called my home, and it was either myself or Mike Cole, a linebacker, that they were going to select. And uh, they told me it was kind of a 50 50 on their staff because they were both uh, an area of meat. And ultimately, they picked Mike Cole. And uh, I went down to the 10th pick to the Lions. And if the Lions wouldn't have taken me, it would have been Dallas. If it wasn't Dallas, it would have been Pittsburgh. And if it wasn't Pittsburgh, it was going to be Miami. So. (laughs) Wow. Could you imagine uh, Herman Moore in Denver? I mean, uh, gosh, you and John Elway, that would have been, that would have been pretty dangerous. I would imagine. Oh yeah. So you, you had Elway at four, you had Aikman at 11, uh, I, can't, I think Neil O'Donnell, I can't remember who was a quarterback at Pittsburgh at 15 or something like that. Uh, they ended up taking uh, Huey, Lewis, Huey Richardson, linebacker. 
uh, I think out of Miami. And then Randall Grill Hill went and played with Marino uh, down with Miami at the Twins first day. Man. So uh, were you pretty nervous that night though? I mean, you, you obviously knew you were going to get picked um, you, and you probably knew it sounds like you knew you were going to go top 10, but I mean, what are, what were the nerves like that night? I, I mean, it's, this is something that nobody else really experiences outside of pro athletes is, is the night you're going to, you know, you get picked. So I was actually pretty nervous about it because at the time I, um, I just didn't know what, what to expect. I didn't run, at the uh, combine, I, I did limited things, only did the bench press and I did my own tour. I did the only, my only uh, workout at my college at UK. And so it, it was kind of hit or miss. No one really had a whole lot of information on me other than what they had on film. And uh, I was nervous because it was a big you know, leaving from college and going to pros. That's not an easy, easy task. You see how many times a lot of the top players in college fail uh, just trying to make it to the NFL because you still have to yeah, and you definitely did not fail. As we mentioned, uh, you know, you led the league in receptions twice. And in particular, I'd like to talk about that 1995 season because that Lions offense was just unbelievable. I believe you guys were ranked first in the league that year. Um, I mean, what what was it about that offense besides you and Barry? And I mean, everything, everything seemed to click that year. It was just a, a good system. Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator, and also at the time, my coach, Charlie Sanders, they, they were really the mastermind behind it. And offensively, we just went out with an attitude to be on a very much an attack mode. Uh, you have a guy like Barry Sanders in the backfield, so you know they're going to load up. So as receivers, we knew opportunities were going to come for us to land outside on the matchups. And then defensively, uh, we were still uh, – we had quite a few veterans, veteran guys that were, were still in their prime uh, that could make some things happen. Uh, and fortunately, we had a mixture of that and young talent. It just took us over the top. So you guys started out at two and five that year, and, and things were looking a little bleak at the moment. But uh, I mean, what was it that turned turned things around? I mean, what what was it that that really hit the spark and and got you guys going? I think one was the embarrassment that we had a lot of all pro and Pro Bowl caliber players, and yet we were sitting near the bottom of the central. And uh, that just wasn't going to sit well with us. Uh, we had a coach who believed in us, uh, who allowed us as players to go out and kind of take reins of the team. And they were just equipping us with what we needed in relates to play calling. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a, an uphill battle for us, but we knew we had the talent to get it done. And if you look at the at, at year, all the guys that went to Pro Bowl and all pro players, uh, we showed that. But unfortunately, Playoffs was tough because it took so much that seven game win streak we had to go on there to get there. And ultimately, playing against Philadelphia, we went there a little, a little soft, not ready. And um, they, they, they came after us. Interceptions killed us in the first part of the game. They scored a lot of points. It was hard to overcome that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask about, about Philly. And, you know, obviously it was a really, really tough game defensively. And, uh, yeah, that one, that one, that one hurts. <laughs> As a Lions fan, that one, that one hurts when you think about it, uh, because you know, obviously, the Lions were number one ranked offense that year, and you guys, you were had you know sixteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns, and led the league in receptions, and Barry was Barry, and uh, just it just uh, that one hurt probably the most. <laughs> it, it hurt because we we had a really good team, and 
other like the 1991 team, we had, we had good, we had really good depth. We played well. The team ended up being 12 and four, and that was great. But I felt that this was a better team that we had in '95 in terms of our explosiveness and our ability to just really be uh, a team that worked really well together. We've known one another for a while. There've been some shakeups, but not enough to to really throw us off our game. And we really thought that was going to be the year, even though we came limping. We came storming into the playoffs, but it took you know, a, a lot of work to get there. Ultimately, we just ran out of gas. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, let's let's we'll move on to something a little little happier. Um, so you know, this is a question that maybe maybe you've not been fielded before, maybe you've not heard, but so it, NFL football '94 for Sega. Uh, that was my game. That was the game that I played all the time. And it seemed like you were the only receiver on that game that could catch a pass. For some reason, the passing mechanism and the receiving mechanism on that game was, was hard to pull off, but I could always throw to you and you would always catch it. I'm just curious, uh, you know, what is it like to be on a video game? Because again, these are things that a lot of people don't, uh, don't understand what it's like and, and did, or do you play video games and, and did you play as yourself? And, you know, I didn't play myself. Uh, when those games were out, not as much. I'm glad we have higher bit rates and we don't have the pixelation that we had in those games now. We got some really smooth players. Right. I, I've been blessed to be able to still be a part of the Madden franchise uh, even up to 2021. Um, I'm scheduled to be in Dallas and just uh, you know going forward. So it's, uh, it's great to know that I've been able to survive the cut over all this time uh, in the video game world and stay relevant. But uh, the only ones I had, I, I don't know if you you had this. One, you must be left-handed because I, I really caught a mean pass, man, from left-handed uh, quarterbacks. You know, <laughs> I wants to throw them under the bus, but I, I enjoy catching passes from Scott. But uh, I used to have the little ones that you put on top of the machine and you turn on the, the switch and then they just kind of shake down the field and you put a little foam football in the hands of one of my techno balls, a little, a little vibration type field, man. It was uh, that was about it. Now I'm old school. Oh man, yeah, way old school. Yeah, techno ball. Jeez, that's oh, I gotta say, Wales. That's taking it way back. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you you you're one of the guys that stuck around Detroit. Um, you know, you and Barry and Lomas and and uh, some of the other guys, Chris Spielman. Um, you know, what what does the city of Detroit mean to you? I mean, it must mean a lot if you've if you've stuck around all these years, even after you 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 know you retired. What's there not to like about this hardcore fans in a city that will will embrace you and love you when you win and let you know when you lose how how they feel about it? And, uh, I didn't really understand the pressure that went with that as a player because you're out there, you got a lot going on. But then now that I've I'm on the outside looking in. I, I can understand the frustration. I can understand sometimes what you see as a fan, and you just know a team has the ability to be better. And when they fall short, you wonder, you know, what the heck happened. Um, but I, I didn't. I, I love the passion of the city. I love the passion of the fan base. Uh, I love the fact you know, everyone talks about how hardworking people are in the state of Michigan. And I, while that can be said in, in a lot of the states, most states probably, it's just there's a different passion. Love, I think that as players, we have that connection with our fan base. Yeah, it's 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 really nice to uh, <clears throat> to have the legends stay around, and, uh, and you know, obviously, you guys are 
are still coming out to the to the games when when we can go to the games. Obviously, you know, with COVID and everything right now, uh, it's a lot of sitting at home watching. But again, it's really just uh, it's nice to have you guys around. And um, so I'm curious uh, that what what are you what are you up to now? What are you what are you getting into these days? Oh wow, I've been uh, pretty busy. I've always been one of those players that like to be a little different. A lot of players get into the business, but I take my my business very serious. And over the years, I've tried a wide range of businesses from franchising to building software and analytic uh, platforms, predictive model platforms. And now I've settled into really a wide variety of diverse company ranging from marketing and creative uh, to technology and staffing. Uh, kind of run the gambit. Uh, we recently got into manufacturing with a company called Golden Grooming, which is a uh, skin and hair hair uh, brand for uh, black men, uh, specifically targeting them. And then we're going to go into just the men's grooming section as a whole, uh, probably in the first quarter of 2021. Uh, but outside of that, we staff for quite a few companies uh, in the metro area and throughout the state, about 30 companies. And uh, from a, a branding standpoint, we actually acquire as well as develop new entities and then market them. So it's, uh, uh, a great group, all different companies uh, that have their own division presidents and and operating uh, channels, so they don't blend too much. We got a lot going on. That um, I'm curious, you know, if if you you know if it were a former player or current player, rather talk, you know, listening to you talk right now, I mean, how important is it to 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 find a life after the game to to get into uh, the business and and to you know, uh, to, to basically, you know, to move on to to uh, make something out of yourself that's not related uh, to the football. In business, everyone always talks about chase your passion, follow your passion, which that's true. But you also have to build knowledge and make sure that you have an understanding of what it takes to be successful. In business. Uh, one thing I've learned with athletes, Brian, telling me that having the knowledge is probably the biggest part of it uh, because you can have all the passion you want, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to fail. And if you don't know how to operate uh, when things get chaotic, just as you see right now, we've been able to really uh, transition and transform our business uh, in this COVID era uh, without missing a beat and actually in fact flourish in it. Uh, so I, that's, that's the one thing I tell them and I try and be more than just an athlete. I don't want to be with that. I am a businessman who get at me and, and that's the way I take it and I always pride myself in telling people though I've, I've earned more uh, off the field than I did actually playing with the Lions so that's that's quite an accomplishment for my side yeah I mean you got you got to love watching guys go off to succeed after they've succeeded on the field um just just great to see uh where you're at right now Herman um but we're going to have to talk about some stuff that's happening on the field. And uh, we're going to get Herman's thoughts on the current Detroit Lions when we come back from the break. Uh, we'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to Man Coverage. I'm your host, Mike Payton. Today, I've got Herman Moore with us, Lions legend Herman Moore. And uh, I don't think there's anybody more equipped to to talk about the game with right now. Um, what happened? What's going on with this team, in your opinion, Herman? I mean, last Sunday was was very bad. The Lions got shut out for the first time since 2009. The offense just looked uh, ill-equipped to do anything. I'm just curious of w- what your thoughts are on this current team. It's, it's somewhat of the same story. It, it goes back to the depth of the team. Uh, it, it goes back to talent, and then it all goes back to scheme and coaching. And coaches, uh, sometimes the fans or the sports writers, they want to remove the two, but they all go hand in hand. And teams not playing well, uh, that that's uh, that's going to fall on the coaches. That's going to fall on the players. And when they win, same thing. They should take uh, uh, give them praise for the, the win on both sides. But, but what I see is this team, it it, it has depth at the receiver position. I'm very excited about some of the acquisitions with Swift, uh, with Hawkinson, uh, Jack Galladay, who's coming back, Dola, uh, Stafford, you know, is back at your quarterback. He was healthy. And then you got Marvin Jones Jr. So they, they have what they needed. Then you, you add a veteran to that unit like Adrian Peterson. All of a sudden, you know that you're kind of equipped for that. But when they play teams who have dominant pass rush, it's, it, it negates all of that talent. It negates everything that they're able to do, and it doesn't seem that they have um, an answer for it offensively from a scheme to be able to handle that and dial it down to, to make those teams back up. So I've seen uh, a lot of uh, problems there. Prater's been solid. Defensively, it's been the same. They have spurts where they play well, and then something happens whether it be with personnel or it be with a lapse of uh, focus and then also uh, – position defensively in which they're playing sometimes in the fourth quarter. And that's hurt this team. Uh, It's been a wide range, and it seems to be a repeated piece uh, that happens over and over and over. Uh, It looked like they were getting better at certain times, and and now uh, you look at other teams that are playing, and you wonder how will this team be able to compete. It's not about finishing above 500 as much as it is about are you going to win something of significance, and that's what the game is played for, not just to say, okay, we broke even or we had you know, one win better than 500. So I, I want to try something a little different here. I've never done this with a guest before. I want to play a little word association game here. 
I, I just want to, if, if you could just tell me one word, just one word that you think sums up the current Lions coaching staff, what, what do you think that one word would be? It's a lot of words going through. Uh, I would say, <laughs> I mean, I think one you can't escape is probably uh, underperform, so underperformance. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, it seems to be uh, a longstanding issue with the Lions, but it's hard to not look at this current coaching staff and the current general manager and, and, and wonder if, if, if this is as bad as it's ever been. And, and I mean, that, and I know that, you know, the Lions obviously went 0 16 under Matt Millen. I mean, that's statistically as worse as it can get. But uh, I think I think you're looking at a time right now where the future looks a little bleak. Um, guys like Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, who who you had mentioned, you know, they're all going to be free agents after this season. There's a very good chance that as early as Friday, we you know, the Lions may be out of a head coach and out of a GM. And, and you got to wonder if these guys are ever going to come back. Um, it, it's just it seems like a, a really bleak time. I mean, do you see any light at the end of this tunnel? If I could look at this team right now and go down on both sides of the ball and just say, okay, here's a, a great core of young players that will elevate this team as they continue to go you know, down the line and get older and mature, that I would have something to be optimistic about. But what I see is there is a mixture of leadership and Stafford. Uh, you have young players in the running game. You have a offensive line that is still, again, a mixed bag of whether or not you got the right combination. I thought they had a really good line uh, a couple years ago when they started drafting, but that hasn't really panned out, I think, as best they thought. Uh, you start looking at the defensive side, and you know you have some young talent there that are going to make mistakes and get compromised. And I just don't see it. I, I just I, I think you go through another period of time of transition, and I don't know how you end it other than you almost have to determine uh, who's going to lead the charge, uh, who's going to be the right people to bring in the right personnel, that when they look at this team, they know how to assemble all that talent uh, at the right time, at the same time that's running in parallel, and not you know a mixture of guys that are on their way out, a couple guys that are new, and uh, and it really has no identity uh, right now. You know who you hang your hat on. There's so much uncertainty around this team with free agency next year and the end of some contracts to the, the coaching staff and some of the administrative. It, it's a it's a mess. Yeah, it's uh, again. I mean, it just seems like it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, you know, and Matthew Stafford, as great as he is, and and as much as. Uh, you know, more, more, uh, more Lions fans that not want him to be here. It seems like uh, his windows closing in Detroit and, uh, and it just looks like uh, it looks like a long rebuild is ahead of us. And um, I'm curious, you know, if you were doing the hiring for a GM or, or a coach and or a coach, I mean, what, what are you looking for? What do you think would suit this team the best in, in that, uh, in that regard? Oh, uh, wow. If I'm looking for a coach, I'm looking for someone that doesn't bring anyone who has a stock in them, meaning they're coming from a system that is built upon the reputation of another person. It's a, it's a coach that has shown the ability to head coach and to win and to lead, even if it's at the collegiate level, 
uh, and has had some success. And I don't mean just, you know, spurts of it. Right now, they need a stabilizing coach. They need one that uh, players and uh, the fan base and the organization, they don't know what to expect. They can't have a person who comes in that people can kind of already figure out and they have an MO. Uh, that's going to be a problem. If I'm looking at and I'm going to throw this out here right now. If I was going to get me a GM, I would get a guy like Chris Bill. Chris Spielman, okay. Because he's very neutral, he's knowledgeable. Um, I think he brings a uh, an understanding of what it takes to to make things work. And I don't think he can be manipulated or guided. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna trust himself. He's gonna go down a path that he chooses to go down that he feels is right. And I I think he has a passion for the game. I mean, that's a guy. If if you look at all the players that are going around the league. Names get thrown around every once in a while. If there's a change of guard here, um, he would be the first guy we'll go after. Yeah, you know, it's it's not something I've thought about before. Chris Spielman as the Lions GM, but I, I can't say I don't. I, I can't say I hate it. I mean, I, it sounds what the Lions need is somebody that knows the game in that position. And and Bob, you know, Bob Quinn is a is a fine player uh, personnel scout. But but he doesn't he's he hasn't never played the game you know uh, especially at the NFL level so you get somebody like Chris in there who's one of the best defensive players of all time um, it, it it could really change the way that you scout it could change the way that you look for the right head coach um, I think that's that's a really interesting a really interesting uh, suggestion uh, for me I've always thought that um, you know, the so many teams are trying to be the New England Patriots, and and there are so many other teams that if you're trying to imitate, uh, I, I mean, I I think that you should imitate the Seattle Seahawks. I think that you should try to uh, to to be a team like that. I mean, or the team like the Baltimore Ravens, a team that is consistently good all the time, no matter what. They know how to circulate good players through. They know how to uh, draft well. They know how to. You know, uh, run their team, run their offense, run their defense to the to their uh, player skill sets. Um, I I just think that the Lions got caught up in the idea of we need to be the next Patriots. When I think maybe they should be the next somebody else. The other thing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, they get caught up in also uh, buying names, and it's not that I have a problem with Coach Patricia or Bob Quinn. Um, or any, any of those guys. I mean, I actually get along very well with them. I was very excited when they brought him here because, you know, you look for change. Was I happy that Coach Caldwell was let go? Absolutely not, because I, I felt that there was no reason, there was no justification uh, for him being let go after, I think, what he had started to assemble in character with the team as well as the attitude. And that's what's sorely missed here. It isn't about the individual. It's not about the history of that coach and what they bring in it and the legacies they come from as much as what is the mindset and how do you affect that? How do you get the players to understand of what, you know, you're only accepting championship type uh, mentalities and, and that's the expectation. It's, it's win or go home. Uh, right now it's not that with the Lions. It's, it's, you know, how do you have a winning season? How do you uh, stay competitive? How do you look good? and make sure that you put a good product out on the field. That's not what wins championships. It's, it's going in and saying when we don't win championships, that the sky is falling and, um, and, and there's nothing else really for us to play for. And it's unfortunate. Um, 
I think that the, the right mindset is there to want to do it, but it just doesn't speak that when you hear and you see what's happening out on the field, and it's unfortunate. So I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but I, you know, I got to ask it anyways. Do you see this team having uh, a 1995 style comeback where they they can go on a run and somehow a miracle make the playoffs? Do you do you, do you think that that's possible at all uh, they're still in the hunt i think they're right near the bottom of the last team that's uh, eligible for the playoffs so having said that it's all possible until they're mathematically eliminated but when i look at the other right. teams again it goes down to does this team have enough not to limp into the playoffs not to make a run and be someone's wild card low seed will this team have an opportunity to compete for a championship win a division title and be able to compete when you see teams like uh, Kansas City and you see how even a team like Tampa Bay has turned it around and put together a defense that's imposing, an offense uh, that's filled with talent, that's balanced. Uh, when you, you see them, how they're going to compete with other teams that were in, the, quite frankly, the same boat as the Lions, and some even, even worse, that have all of a sudden turned it around in a short period of time. That's what I see. I mean, it, it's more than just will this team be able to make a run. And again, that goes back to that's where we are. Can this team make a run versus other teams looking at it going, you know, how do once we get into the playoffs, what do we need to do to win certain games, position us, and make us better to where we win Super Bowls? And I have to admit, people may not believe this, but when we played, even back in time when I played, that was the mentality. I mean, yeah, we didn't win but one playoff game, but it was it was playoffs and a chance to go to the Super Bowl or go at least to a championship opportunity or go home. That was it. That was our mentality. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the mentality that, that you got to have. And uh, it would be nice for the lions to experience something like that, to a championship game or some sort of success. Uh, it's, it's, it's just eluded eluded them for so long. But uh, so I got one more question in this segment and then we'll go to our final segment. Uh, you know, people want me to ask you this, Herman. Uh, you know, Barry Sanders retired early. Calvin Johnson retired early. You were there for Barry, obviously. I mean, do you think that the Lions have some sort of issue with generational talent just giving or not? I don't want to say giving up. I want to say something like, you know, getting sick of being in Detroit, uh, sick of losing. I mean, do you, do you, do you think that this is, this, is that the issue? I mean, is that why these guys left? I think you, you look at two players who made it very clear that they just wanted to win. It wasn't about the paychecks. It wasn't about whether or not for them, if they could go out and um, add more stats or accolades or things, they wanted to win. And, when you have that, the frustration, you can't buy it. You can't buy them out of frustration. You can't buy them out of turning, turning a, a blind eye uh, with a big contract. And I think when Matthew Stafford's done with his career, yeah, he'll amass a lot of statistics. He'll show that, you know, there's all these things. But at the end, I can tell you as a, as a player who had some, some pretty good success, it burns you when you don't have a championship. I, I could care less. I mean, the Pro Bowls and all that stuff, that's great. Some of the records and all that, that's great. But walking away and not being a champion when you leave the game, it says a lot because this is the end of it for us. And the NFL is the top, that's the, that's the top of the food chain. 
There are no more leagues you go to from the NFL to say, hey, I'm going to go and see if I can win a championship somewhere else. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's, it's not so much a, a problem, I think, with the organization as much as the frustration that you can't contain when it burns in players who want to leave. I mean, I came very close to leaving, um, I think, in 99. Uh, and uh, with Coach Ross, and uh, I think 99 or 98, one of them, but Denver had reached out and there was a deal to be made that they didn't want to make. And I was a third string player at that point. Uh, and I was unhappy with that and I wanted to leave, but they wouldn't let me leave. Uh, they didn't want to make that trade. And so that's when you, you just know, it, you know, it, it, it's tough, man. It, it's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to, to leave when you have talent and you don't get that, that ultimate loser chance. Yeah, I mean, I I can sort of understand it from from the from the side of like you know, money's not everything. Um, happiness is 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 extremely important and definitely overrides uh, the money. It's I mean, it's nice to uh, not have to worry about paying your bills and everything. But if you are just if you're not happy and you're getting it, it beats you down. It just beats you down over a while. Um, and I can understand that. I can understand that. And um, yeah, you know, and especially with Calvin, you know, I I I try to tell people that. It, it, it wasn't the fact that, you know, I mean, obviously Calvin wanted to win, but he was beat up. I mean, he, 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 he had an aching body. I mean, he had a lot of problems. Um, I mean, he's such a hard guy to tackle. You got to go for his legs. I mean, his knees were hurting. His hands were, you know, uh, were starting to uh, be a little bit deformed because, you know, catching all those Stafford balls all those years. I mean, and, and you know, it, it's a hard game. Oh, no doubt. And uh, same with Barry. I think he was just burned out. All his linemen, all the guys that he was friends with, he got rid of pro bowl players, all pro players at, on the offensive line, and you never replaced those. And you got arguably the best running back in the history of the NFL, one of the best players of all time. And you're taking away, you're subtracting things that will help him be as effective as he needed to be. And I think the same thing with Calvin. Uh, I think it was they were making some some moves there, but I don't think ultimately uh, he said he had as much left in the tank as he thought. But I don't think he was really ready to just call it quits uh, under better circumstances. All right. Well, I, I, thanks for answering that. And uh, we got one more segment left. We're going to put Herman through the lightning round on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Man Coverage. Today we've got Herman Moore with us, and we are going to put him through our patented 10-question lightning round. Now, Herman, this this is 10 questions. It's some some is football related. There's some food stuff. There's some entertainment. It's everything. And, and so far, everyone's survived. Are, are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> All right. Let, we're going to start you off. All right. So, uh, what are you watching right now? What are you watching on Netflix, Hulu? What are you, what are you streaming? What show are you getting into? Uh, What's Crown. your thing? The Crown. The Crown. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, so many people are talking about the show. I still haven't watched it yet. Um, well, yeah, I really got to get into. It. Second one of that one is the first forty-eight. I just, I'm just, I'm just glued, man. Just that's a whole another story. We'll save that one. Oh, the first 48. Yeah. That is one of my wife's favorite shows. Um, 
Are you familiar with the the TV channel Investigation Discovery? Absolutely. Yeah, my wife is on that nonstop, man. I I mean, she just it's it's kind of scaring me. Like I'm starting to wonder, <laughs> is she planning something? Should I be worried? Uh, you don't you don't play for the line. You sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, okay. Who, who do you think, uh, who's your favorite football player of all time? Now everybody's named at least one or two guys. You can name as, you know, a few guys if you need to, um, uh, one, who's your guy. Well, my, my favorite from just a personal standpoint is John Stallworth number 82 Pittsburgh Steelers and Steelers. I always, you know, people say, I say Steelers funny, but yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers. And, uh, I have to go with the other one is going to be my guy, Barry Sanders, man. I, I was able to watch probably the best player of all time live every Sunday. So those are my two. How often did you catch yourself just watching that guy? Just like you're on the field, you're supposed to be doing your thing, but you just, uh, you just catch yourself watching him. Uh, not often because he owes me about 5,000 of those yards because I was always out front blocking. So I could never see what he was doing. Back there. <laughs> all right. You heard it here first. <laughs> Barry owes Herman some of those yards. Uh, all right. This is a tough one. This is a tough question. Backstreet Boys are in sync. Neither. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Well, you got you to name somebody I, I, else then. I, 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 I got to have like real soulful. Just oh, man. I, I don't, you know, I'm not lighthearted like that. And there are too many people. You got too many people in the background. So. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go into the Boy, to the weeds a little bit here. Girl groups, man, because girl groups are really cool. They 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 kick butt. Yeah. The boy bands, yeah. I'll leave that for the ladies. That's fine. That's fine. We're gonna go a little bit into the weeds here because I absolutely love Otis Redding. I I gotta know what what's your song, man. Oh gosh, um, try a little tenderness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good. I, for me, for me, it's I've been loving you too long. I mean, I think that's 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 just a that's a great song. And then uh, Ike and Tina do a cover of that. That is just amazing. Um, God, I love Otis Redding. Uh, we could spend we could do an Otis Redding podcast together, me and you, Herman. That I mean, this is that's one of my top guys right there. Oh yeah, I mean Otis. <clears throat> All right, uh, dogs or cats? Dogs. Yeah, got to do dogs. It's not a whole lot of people picking cats around here. <clears throat> All right, uh, what's your favorite movie? Man, I'm gonna have to go real, real old school with Scarface. Scarface, okay, yeah, I like it. All right, so each what? Say again. You want to play up? Okay. Yeah, roll to my little friend. Say good night to the bad guy. Last time you're gonna sit back out like this, let me tell you. <laughs> oh man, I just did Scarface voice with Herman Moore. That's the things you do in your life. You never, you never know that you're gonna do these things. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> all right. So every week I put my guests through a scenario. Uh, with you, Herman, you'll be no different. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put you through a scenario. You're down six points. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to use the 1995 Detroit Lions, the team that you're on. You're down six points. Uh, let's say 48 seconds left. One timeout. You are on your own 20. Um, 
more and more. How are you going to win the game? Oh, you're gonna, you're just gonna go to yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, you gotta play, or, or just... I'm gonna let you get through it. So, down, down on our twenty. We got eighty yards to go. We need a touchdown or a field goal. You, uh, you, you're down six. You need a touchdown. We'll win. Ninety-five. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> just go to Herman Moore and you got it. What about Johnny? Is Johnny not getting any love over here? Oh, we give it to the worm. Maybe. He was the other worm. Dennis Rodman was a worm for the for the you know, for Pistons, stuff, but he was he was our worm. He always wanted to break dancing hands off. Uh, but think about this: Would you expect me to say no? We have no chance of winning that. I don't care if it was five seconds. Oh no, no, no! Like, what what I want? I guess we just you know pack our bags and go home. I don't want to play with that guy. No, what? what? What I wanted you to do was tell me how you were going to do it. How we're going to do it? Oh, man, that's easy. Get a ball to Barry. Everybody comes up. Barry throws it back to the quarterback. Quarterback throws it over to Johnny. Johnny throws it back to Brett. Brett throws it to me down the field. And then I give a flea flicker to Dave Sloan, the tight end. And then he flips it back to Barry, and Barry walks it in. Easy. Going to draw it up better. I love it. Man, that's that's beautiful. On two. <laughs> you, you you want a job, Herman? You could be the new offensive coordinator if you're going to run some stuff like, like that. I would love it. All day. All right. So normally I ask my guests if they could be a pro athlete, what sport would you play? But you you already played uh, as a pro athlete. So if you never would have played in the NFL, what do you think you would have done? I would love to sit the bench um, as a basketball player, uh, someone who got a lot of money that was guaranteed. And then if I got injured, so what? Uh, if not that, then a backup quarterback uh, in the NFL all day. If I could have, I could have done that. I would have been, been awesome. Backup quarterback. Well, like I mean, third string, yeah. like third. I don't be two. Just be third string. I played for like thirty years. Well, if you would have played some basketball, I don't know if you would have sat on the bench because Lomas Brown was on the show a few weeks back, and the word on the street is you got some ups, man. You can jump. I would have I would have led the league in rebound. Okay. That's about it. So your shooting's not that great. Really, really well in basketball. You gotta either be really good scorer, no defense, or shot blocker, terrible shooter, or you just get a bunch of rebounds, but you never make free throws. So or you give out a lot of assists. You're the setup guy. Yeah, facilitator. Yeah, facilitator. I like that. See? Yes, go. good word. Yeah. Uh, all right, what? Uh, a few more questions here. What are your go-to pizza toppings? Oh man, uh, man, I feel bad for the pigs, man. I uh, bacon. You know, I just eat a lot of bacon on pizza. Just Got you. Bad. Got it. It's delicious. The brothers should eat a lot of bacon, but I eat a lot of bacon. <laughs> uh so Nike or Adidas? Uh, depends on the sport. Am I playing soccer or football? American football uh, or European soccer? You're going to play American football. Nike. Nike. Okay. All right. All right. So this is the big question here, Herman. This is like, you know, this is, this is my life here. This is the big one, the huge one. This is what I care about the most. All right. You were a former wide receiver. You played in the game for, or you played in the NFL for many years. You played college football. You played high school football. 
Are quarterback wins a real stat? Quarterback? Yeah. Should a, should a quarterback have wins and losses on their records? Do they win the games by themselves? Yeah, it's called, it's called interceptions. <laughs> a court, I look at quarterback records are interceptions to touchdown ratio. So you want to judge how a quarterback did that year? Check that out. So when you got a quarterback that has 26 touchdowns and two interceptions, uh, his team's probably doing fairly well. Trust me on that. That's no lie. You know, that's what I keep telling these people, man. That's what I keep telling them. But they, they keep saying that, no, it's, it's super important. And, and every time you turn on the TV, they're talking about how, how Aaron Rodgers has such a good win-loss record. But it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw the ball to somebody. You gotta hand the ball off to somebody. You gotta have somebody block for you. You gotta have somebody go on the other side of the, uh, of the ball on defense and, and, and keep the team, you know, your opposing team from uh, putting up points. You, you need somebody to kick off. It's a fifty-three team, fifty-three man team. Uh, I just think it's ridiculous to to give wins and losses to uh, to one player. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, try telling that to some organizations. Well, and that's you know that's something that I've that I've argued with some some previous guests, and I think that there's a lot of organizations out there that are either overpaying or underpaying players based on their quarterback wins and loss record. I think some of the, some guys are, are getting totally screwed out of having a second chance. If you know, like Sam Darnold, who I keep bringing up, you know, the New York jets are really bad right now. And eventually they're going to blame Sam for it. And Sam's going to have a hard time finding another job, but he's, he's not a bad quarterback. No, and if it doesn't work out there, they become offensive coordinators, assistant head coaches, or eventually, you know, they run something somewhere in the, in the administrative side. Yeah. I mean, quarterback, I'm telling you, man, quarterback is a position. That's the, that's the one. I could have done it over. Quarterback. That would have been interesting. Or I more the quarterback. Or a long snapper. No one ever knows the name of the long snapper, but they played for like 40 years. Hey, Don Muleback is a legend around these parts. Everyone knows Don. I couldn't name another long snapper in the well, league, but I know Don. But that, he's, he's cool, though. I give him some kudos. Yeah. He's good people. For sure, for sure. All right, Herman. Well, I, man, it, it has been great to talk to you today. I, I'm glad that you came on the show. And, um, you know, do you have anything you'd like to uh, to plug before we get out of here? Uh, not much, man. Just uh, continue to, to follow our sports teams uh, here in Michigan, particularly the short teams. I think uh, it's been a tough go for, for the fans on all of them, but we're going to bounce back in all the sports. Hopefully our Lions will at some point win a, a championship. Uh, I'm on the other side of it, hoping for that. And then for those uh, who want to keep up with what I'm doing, I'd love for you to continue to support my businesses because all of them are tied to uh, philanthropic efforts uh, where we try and do a lot through our business to give back to the communities. Unlike a lot of people, we actually put that to, to action. So check out Golden Grooming, our new men's care and hair care uh, products for black men. Uh, check out uh, Team 84 uh, Staffing, where we're putting people to work. And then also check us out at uh, Team Business Solutions, uh, tbsnationwide.com uh, for all your print promotion needs. Awesome. Herman's doing big stuff out there, man. Uh, again, thanks for coming on. And uh, thank you for everybody who uh, listened this week. And we'll see you next week. I hey, appreciate it. Thanks a lot.